day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pre-Flight Podcast. Today we have a special treat. Uh, we are here with Brian Eaton, who is a great grandson, and he's also a very active researcher, may I add, of Fanny Eaton. Um, and he is from her youngest child, Frank. He now lives in Leeds, but was born in London near to the area in which Fanny resided at the time. Uh, since discovering Fanny in the 1881 census, he has endeavoured with others to bring her out of the shadows and to the forefront of academic and public attention. And he has also tried to trace so many descendants and met up with them to tell them Fanny's story, even going to Australia where two families emigrated on the famous £10 Pommy scheme, uh, which I am really excited to hear a little bit more about. Uh, thank you for being with, here, um, being with us today, Brian. Um, it's a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> uh, if if we just we could just get it started, then. So, if you could give us like a, a brief biography um, to our listeners about Fanny and Matilda Eaton, if that's okay. Yeah. Well, we think Matilda was a slave on one of the many Foster estates in Jamaica. She gave birth to Fanny just as slavery was ending in 1835. As Matilda gave Fanny's surname as Antwistle on her birth certificate we decided to search the Jamaican records for anybody with that name, but could only find a soldier called James Entwistle, who unfortunately died in 1835, probably of fever. We've no proof that he was the father, but it just seems odd that the name is the only one available. And Matilda wouldn't have wanted Fanny to have a slave name like Foster, I'm sure. When slavery ended, the plantation owners were supposed to give wages to the workers, but couldn't afford it. So they just left them unemployed. The Jamaican government decided to encourage migration to reduce the number of unemployed people on the island. And we think this is probably the only way that Matilda was able to afford to bring her daughter to England. Otherwise, she wouldn't have had any money. I've no idea how she afforded it. They came sometime in the 1840s, and they're recorded in the 1851 census, but not the 1841 census, so that's where we got that date from. They both found work in London, Matilda as a laundress, which she may have been on the island, and Fanny as a servant. Sometime later, somehow, Fanny met James Eaton, a cab driver, my great-grandfather, and she moved in with him and took his name. We haven't found any marriage certificate, so we don't think they married. Matilda carried on as a laundress, but eventually went into a workhouse and died later. Fanny and James had 10 children and lived all over West London. And we think that Simeon Solomon, or Rebecca even, spotted Fanny as, she, as he walked to work, uh, to art school, and she walked to work in the same area. And he probably noticed this very strange, exotic woman and with a huge hairstyle that uh, he captured in his drawings of her. James died in 1881 from blood poisoning, probably from a horse-related injury. And she then had to look after the children on her own. But before that, she was the model for Simeon Solomon and Rebecca. And they must have introduced her to their friends, who in turn probably recommended her to the um, Royal Society, where she actually became a permanent model. 
Fanny died at her daughter's house in Acton, 1924, aged 88. Basically, she was worn out. And that's her story. That's really fascinating to hear all of that information about um, not even just Fanny Eaton, but Matilda as well, and how they came to England um, and how they actually get involved with the Pre-Raphaelites. Uh, the question that I have is, how did you even, where did you start? And how did you even begin this whole search? Because you found out a lot about Fanny and Matilda and um, your descendants, but I imagine that it was a very laborious process in finding all of this information. I wouldn't use the word laborious because it's very interesting. My wife, Mary, has researched her family and she was lucky because they stayed in Yorkshire and all the records are up here. So she got an awful lot of information about her family. And um, my father had always talked about Red Indians in the family, Native Americans. And that puzzled Mary and she wanted to find out a bit more. Well, initially, we thought he genuinely was connected with Red Indians because in the West London, a lot of Americans came across um, with shows, Buffalo Bill, Wild Bill, Hickok, a load of them. So we thought my grandfather may have gone off with a squirrel or something. <laughs> anyway, when the 1881 census came out, it was on a, a CD-ROM and we could go to Leeds Library Family Research Centre and look into it. And we found James and Fanny living together in London. And I was over the moon when it said Fanny was born in Jamaica. So it was true that she partly was Indian, but Jamaican Indian, not so ready. Wow. <laughs> and uh, we were very lucky in that Leeds have a huge family research centre. And they were very helpful all along. So once we found her, we could then start going through various other records mm. to find out exactly a bit more about her. And then as each census came out, 10-year intervals, unfortunately, um, we looked on each one and followed her path right through from 1851 right through to now 1921. That is so interesting. I mean, sometimes it's, you know, when you only have census records to go by, it can be quite difficult because um, that one record that almost represents that decade, that period of time, that's the only little bit of information that you have. But the fact that you've kind of connected the dots between each census record is really interesting and mm. actually quite fascinating in terms of looking at her life and what she was doing at that current moment in time at every key stage in her life. I think it's really, really interesting. Well, this uh, is it. On the census form, you have to put down a, an occupation. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, the census people demand that a woman, if she gives an occupation, it must be a full-time job. She's not allowed to say part-time or anything else. So Fanny never put down that she was a model. And she only so ever put down that she was a seamstress or a laundress mm. or a a charwoman even but in no, fact it's leading this double life <laughs> that's absolutely crazy i mean it is it is crazy i mean i have a, a similar um i had a similar problem in researching rebecca solomon uh because you know because we, we've had a conversation before about their relationship um artist to model and uh i had a very similar 
problem in um, researching Rebecca Solomon's histories because she's been uh, very long known as, um, you know, the pre-Raphaelite sister to, so uh, to Simeon Solomon. Uh, and it's only been up until recent scholarship that Rebecca has really come to attention. Um, but for so long that we, we had uh, trouble in in uh, placing her, locating her in terms of an artist, uh, her, her occupation as an artist painter and where exactly she resided. Um, but it is really interesting to be able to trace exactly what they got up to at certain periods of time. Um, so what did the actual search consist of? And um, how did you come to find the things that you now know? Uh, because I, I mentioned in the introduction that you traveled all the way to Australia, which sounds absolutely fascinating to me, the fact that it, your research took you all the way over there. If you could just talk to me a little bit about that and your experience. Well, this is one of the reasons we wanted to trace the families, because we were sure that they might have had stories that were about Fanny or not. But in fact, none of them had any stories about Fanny at all. They all knew that there was a, a coloured or exotic woman in the background, but they were described variously as princesses or rich um, Indian women who had money. But nobody knew the real truth. And as soon as we told them, who Fanny actually was and showed them the pictures that have since, I mean, I'm so lucky that I've got all these paintings of my great grandmother. <laughs> it's better than a photo yeah. archive, really. Crazy. And uh, every one of them has been um, really interested and have joined in the um, story afterwards. But unfortunately, not one of them had a, they've got very interesting family stories, but nothing about Fanny. <laughs> it's really odd. Yeah. But Australia, no, my son lives in Australia. So we combined a visit to him. And then we all went down to Melbourne, where the both families that emigrated there live now live, and uh, met up with them and stayed with them for a while and talked nothing about, all about Fanny all the time, nothing else. And uh, other people came and went as we were talking. And it was really interesting. I can imagine. I, I also can imagine that you're, your visit to Australia was also a really humbling one as well, getting to getting to know the members of the family all the way over there and reconnecting oh, yeah. with each other over stories yeah. about Fanny Eaton as well. But there is a, a slight um, uh, sort of thing about this, that each family member seems to have somebody in the family who was connected with art, which, you know, oh, why? I know there's no such thing as an art gene, but it just seems odd <laughs> that all the way down, these people yeah. have, have sort of either studied art for no for some unknown reason or um, been involved in art and like, yet knew yeah. nothing about Fanny. It's it's funny that you say about the, the art gene. I do think that there is something there. I, you know, there's got to be something that goes on in, you know, certain families who have kind of like a creative talent or, you know, an yeah. artistic inclination or something. But it is funny the way things work sometimes, isn't it? Well, I must admit, I do. I do like art. Yeah. Um, you know, for me personally, not not I knew nothing at all about the pre raphaelites before Fanny came along. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's um, fine. It's fine. You're forgiven. I, yeah. <laughs> I have got a bit of a streak in me, so maybe even I'm connected as well. You know? No, but it really is fascinating. Honestly, um, it's just so fascinating in terms of I, I find it actually quite inspiring of how far and how much you've done um, to uncovering Fanny Eaton's life and Matilda Eaton's life as well. Um, are there any pieces of information or like any research that you came across that genuinely shocked you or surprised you? <laughs> 
Well, yeah, the biggest surprise was after we found Fanny in the 1881 census, Mary has got a friend who also does family research. And um, we were talking to her about Fanny. And while she talks on the phone, she's always click clacking on her computer. <laughs> and she said, have you ever Googled Fanny Eaton? And of course we hadn't because until then she was unknown. Anyway, when she Googled her, it came up about this um, exhibition of Jan Marshes in Birmingham and uh, Manchester, where she was concentrating on black women in Victorian art. Mm -hmm. And uh, there were pictures of Fanny. So, of course, the first thing I did then was Google Fanny. And that was the biggest surprise of all. And I'm so proud of her. I think, um, you know, it's oh, amazing, yeah. really. Absolutely. I mean, the way that she is depicted in art as well, um, you know, whether it be, in, you know, the, the mother of Moses or uh, the young teacher or even, um, you know, that the heads, uh, the, the, the portrait studies of her as well, yeah. they're absolutely beautiful. And I think they really capture her in quite an impressive way. Well, some of them I'm not quite keen on, to be honest. Oh. I think the mother of Cicero is making her look really old. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I was going to... T talking on that, are there any any particular works that depict Fanny Eaton that you really like? Or oh yeah, the Waterfriars Docks painting, the Waterfriars Docks painting, because when that was found by Rupert Mass in London, mm -hmm. he invited us down through Jan Marsh to have a look at it. I think he wanted us to buy it, but obviously it was out of my reach. Anyway, we saw it then for the first time before it was even looked at properly mm -hmm. by anybody else, and I just fell in love with it. I personally think it's better than the um, Joanna Wells painting that Mary and everybody else likes. But uh, to me, that's um, a made up version of Fanny. The Walter okay. Price Knox one is Fanny 100%. And I'm really okay. pleased with that. That's really interesting you say that um, it's it's not almost not a true de depiction of her. What would you say is a true depiction of Fanny Eaton in, in art then? Like, what makes you really like. Um, certain work so much in well, I don't want to criticize artists they can do what they want <laughs> <laughs> they can give the image that they want to for their particular painting yeah. and I think Joanna Wells was building up a painting before she died unfortunately mm -hmm. of a particular woman that she wanted to um, show but Walter Fryer Stocks not being a member of the pre-Raphaelites and just being a, an artist who wanted to capture the probably at the Royal Academy yeah um, sort of showed her as she was, as Simeon Solomon did, of course, with all of his drawings that are in the Cambridge Fitzwilliam. Um, when you see those drawings close up, the attention to detail that he's given must mean that he's actually drawing Fanny as she was exactly mm -hmm. then sat in front of him. Um, and that, that was in 1859. So um, to me, that's, that's the woman I, I, yeah. I want to know. Yeah. No, no, that that's right. I, I really do. I mean, I know this this episode is nothing to do with Simeon Solomon in a respect because obviously it's all about fighting. But he's very important. I think. He, but he, yeah, and I I, th I think that there's a sincerity in Sime, uh, Simeon's depictions of her. I th I really think that they. I agree with you. They capture such a beautiful part of Fanny Eaton you know whether as you said they're just so intricately well, detailed and yeah. you know it's it's almost like you're looking straight at her almost yeah in the well day, I think very probably true. the fact that Rebecca also wanted to draw her may well have been the thing that let Fanny become a model because just a man like Simeon approaching her as she was walking to work 
she may have been a bit suspicious. I don't yeah. know. I she certainly would yeah. <laughs> With a random man approaching her, yeah. her. And that may well have been the, um, the final bit that convinced her. Dodgy. Yes, definitely. And I mean, I've, I've done a little bit of work at looking at the young teacher, Rebecca Solomon's own portrayal of her. And I, I it's always fascinating to almost to establish a, a relationship or some kind of connection between Rebecca and uh, Fanny Eaton, I think. I think there's a lot more to be uncovered there. But I mean, as, as I imagine, a lot of records have been destroyed or have not survived into the, you know, into the, the current day. But I'd like to think that they had some kind of friendship or that, you know, they enjoyed each other's company somewhat. Yeah, I think so. And there must be a lot of other pictures of Fanny mm. around somewhere. I mean, the Rupert Mass one, Walter Fryer Stocks is really a landscape artist. The fact that he had a portrait hidden amongst all his other paintings shows you yeah. that, you know, they, they're still out there, probably. No, absolutely. Um, so, Touching on the Pre-Aphrodites, um, you know, and Fanny Eaton's relationship with them, um, what do you think her relationship with the Pre-Aphrodites was like? Uh, because, there, you know, there is... She, well, she wouldn't really mix in the sort of social world that they mixed mm -hmm. in, either bohemian or upper class, because most of the other women were um, a different sort of style to Fanny. Mm -hmm. So she would have just been a model and gone straight home. I don't think she'd have had any relationships as such with any of the yeah. artists. I think she'd have looked on it as just a job to earn a bit more money. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, th yeah. there is evidence in um, Dante Gabriel Rossetti's correspondence that he also um, not had something to do with Fanny Eaton in that respect, but, I mean, he also um, was quite, uh, should I say, appreciative of Fanny Eaton as a model, um, but he also made quite derogatory comments towards her at some point as well, from what I've read. Uh, do you know any more about but also, that? Or? But he also said that she looked, she had a beauty about her. So yeah, um, it, I, it was a time when people were um, racist. There's no other question for it. The Victorians mm -hmm. looked down on people who were coloured or um, had come from another country. No, we absolutely. The, we were the bee's knees. Um, so I think it, the artists were just reflecting society in general. And I think that that adds to that adds to how, uh, you know, how iconic uh, Fanny Eaton actually is and not just pre-Raphaelite art, but I think art as as a medium. Um, and although, as we say, it wasn't her sole profession because she was, you know, a very busy woman with 10 children and, you know, getting on with her own employment. But she's a very important figure in pre-Raphaelite art and she's a very important mm. uh, figure to be depicted in art in general, I think. Yes. Well, yeah. um, one of the things I've tried to do is to make her on a par with all the other women, sisters that mm -hmm. are involved with the Pre-Raphaelites, because I found out that they've all got graves and headstones and writings and things about her. But poor old Fanny hadn't. No. So that was one of my first things was to give Fanny a decent headstone when we eventually found out where she was buried. Which I was going to say, time, that links to my final question, actually. Um, what, what things have been done to commemorate her and almost to continue her legacy? Because I know that you have been very active in restoring um, her name and restoring her, you know, her reputation, her grave, etc. If you just comment a little well, bit. The first thing that. I do is I go on to um, Google and Google Fanny. And then if I find a website that's got loads of rubbish on about her, I get in touch with them. <laughs> <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. The 
because initially a lot of them were saying that she married Henry Eaton, who was an artist and a sculptor who okay. lived in London at that time, a bit older than Fanny. I don't know where that came from, but I presume it just because of the name Eaton. <laughs> but yeah. um, so I used to, that was one of my things. My wife thought I was bonkers because I used to go on all these websites and get in touch with them and say, you know, you're peddling rubbish. <laughs> um, yeah, one of the best websites was Stella Halliwell, who has got this um, blog about um, the fantastic person that Fanny was. Mm -hmm. And that's how I come to meet some of the uh, other relatives, actually, through her website. That's really interesting. But once we found her grave and we went down to look at it, unfortunately, it's in a common area of the graveyard in Hammersmith. And she's buried with seven other people. Wow. I don't know why the daughter didn't give her a proper burial, but she didn't. Um, and so we wanted to have some sort of plaque or headstone or something. But we met with a lot of opposition because of the common nature of the grave and the um, people not wanting suddenly to have new headstones. But fortunately, through um, various other people, um, we finally managed to get one. And until that goes up, I've been proud to make a replica of it in wood and put that at the grave instead. Wow. And we had a little opening ceremony in September when uh, some of the relatives and my wife and I and a few other people went down to actually unveil this wooden replica, mm -hmm. which I hope is still there. I haven't been down since. <laughs> I bet that was so lovely for you, just, you know, oh, to, to see all of your efforts, go, you know, come yeah. into fruition. I, yeah. yeah. Incidentally, my son from Australia was also there. Oh, really? Service. Yeah. Oh, they made across. the travel? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's lovely. That really is nice. really lovely. And it's really important as well. Um, uh, I, I, I imagine Fanny Eaton is probably looking down. Uh, you know, she definitely looked down at that day and she was very, very proud. Mm. And with all of the research. Well, I'm equally proud of her, yeah. Yeah, mm. and it, it's lovely. And uh, it's like you say, it's so important to just uncover what a fantastic person Fanny Eaton really was and Matilda. And, you know, their legacy, their legacy should be continued and it should be, you know, well known to people. Yeah. And for so long, mm. people have just merely admired works with her face on um, and had no idea of the person behind the face. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's but really... We're also going yeah. to put um, a blue plaque on the house where she died now on the 26th of November. Brilliant. In oh, Acton. Oh, that'll Acton. be brilliant. Yeah. 2A Basin Park Road. That's B-A-S-S-E-I-N Park Road. Oh, brilliant. Acton. Um, I was going to say, I imagine a lot of our pre-Raphaelite listeners uh, listening to this episode will definitely be paying a visit um, to yeah. visit that plaque. Absolutely. Yeah. I included. I will absolutely be there. Um, be nice I would love to see that. Yes, it would be nice to have a catch up in person, actually. Yeah. Um, just to talk more things, Rebecca Solomon and Fanny Eaton and yeah. all, you know, all of the things that I've, I've contacted you about before and emailed yeah. you incessantly. <laughs> well, I'm proud to have some of her DNA in me, which I'm sure is there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but thank you that very another much. Thing, if I could just say this, what uh, meeting all the people in the families, um, the... Caribbean gene seems to have vanished very quickly from no? the families. So we think maybe Fanny was maybe a quarter Caribbean. Okay. And her mother was maybe a half. 
So, you know, it seems to have vanished very, very quickly in the families when you look at old photographs. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Oh, well, I suppose that you'll have to continue your search and just continue trying to find out as much as possible. Oh, yeah. And um, I'm sure that we'll be one of the first to know uh, as soon as you find out anything really interesting. I'd love to hear what you what things you find. Yeah. Um, oh, I've got but... a long list of people that I email with all of the information. <laughs> I'm spreading it around. Please add us to the bottom. To <laughs> I was say, please add us to the bottom of that list. That would be really grateful for that. So thank you. Really <laughs> uh, thank you very much for uh, joining us today to talk about all things Fanny and Matilda Eaton. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you um, for a, uh, an episode for our podcast series. Right. Um, but and thank I've you also very written much. an article for a book that's just been published. Oh, go for it. Plug it. It's called, it's a long title. (laughs) It's called The Pre-Raphaelite Sisters, Art, Poetry and Female Agency in Victorian Britain. It's published by Peter Lang, just been published and edited by Glenda Ude and Robert Wilkes. And I've got a chapter in it about Fanny. Brilliant. Well, I have already put my order in for a copy of that so i'm looking forward to reading your chapter um but again thank you very much for joining us brian um and just just keep in touch any of any more things you uncover uh just please keep in touch drop us an email but thank you very much okay thank you